Oh, you made it. You're finally here. Welcome to the Half Cocktails, a place where we have a great time celebrating science, the social contract, and just plain old congeniality. Dare I say a place where we seek a path to peace, prosperity, and exploration amongst the stars. I'm your friend and host, Dan the Worshipin' Dionysus Man, sipping on some science today with a dapper and dandy drink. With me today, bringing us a report on broccoli that has nutritionists losing their minds. The professor, Alex, how are you doing today? Oh my gosh, I'm not prepared for the broccoli article. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. You want to stick around to the end of the episode for that report on broccoli. <laughs> nutritionists losing their minds. Oh my gosh, better, better figure it out. Got a really fun and informative show for you today. Brought to you by the Umbrella Corporation. We splice genes so you don't have to. Going to be talking about the origins of life on Earth, cetacean communications, the shady side of olive oil sales, and of course, we'll do some fact checking. And, and today we're going to take a quick look back at uh, Lakota leader Sitting Bull, who was killed by police on December 15, 1890. And, of course, we do encourage you to reach out to us at halfcocktails at gmail.com. Or maybe you want to text us or uh, call us at 443-499-8253. But be careful. Uh, we, we will uh, use your messages right here in this segment. And, uh, Alex, we did get an email from Kira in Tucson. Oh, hell yeah. You going to read it? <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to read the whole email. Uh, it was very lovely, very lovely message. Uh, talking about how much she loves the show. Uh, brings a lot of entertainment to her work days and while she's studying, which is funny. Uh, uh, I hope you're studying things that we're talking about. <laughs> it might be a distraction, uh, Kira. But believe it or not, she went to Flowing Wells High School. And uh, we recently talked about the Flowing Wells Witch. I don't know. You, you weren't here for that, but uh, apparently there was a teacher in the 70s that got fired for being a witch. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. From Flowing Wells High School. And uh, <laughs> at, the, uh, at the stake or just regular fire? <laughs> <laughs> it was just just regular old uh, lo losing her job. It was it was fun. Pretty, pretty ridiculous. And Kira is saying that while she was in uh, Flowing Wells junior high and high school, it was known and talked about with the, the students and some of the teachers. And they, they had, everybody would try and come up with their, their favorite uh, theory for what really went down and whether or not she was a witch. Kira, thanks for reaching out to the show. We're so glad that, that you're enjoying it. I know we have a great time do it, doing the show. And uh, you know, feel free to re reach out again. Always, always glad to hear from the people who are at home listening. Wonderful. Thank you, Kara. Yeah, yeah. But now I think it's time uh, to hop in that time machine. All right. Nothing would be better than a look at days of yesterday in a time machine. All right. So, ah, Sitting Bull. Uh, what what do you remember off, off the cuff about uh, the Lakota chief Sitting Bull? Honestly, I, I got... Absolutely nothing on that that I could uh, that that I could stand by. Heard the name and uh, no no story off the top of my head. Okay, all right, all right. So sit, Sitting Bull, born 1837, died December 15th, 1890. He was a Lakota leader. He led his people 
during uh, many years of resistance against the U.S. government uh, and their policies. He uh, sadly was killed by that same government uh, for some bullshit, which we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get to later. But let me, let me fill in some, some background. He, you know, we're talking, we're talking, you know, being born 1837, uh, the Lakota Sioux. I mean, you're, you're talking the Wild West, right? Okay. Like that's, that's the time frame of America. Uh, I mean, and it's uh, Southwest. Um, no, the Dakota Territory. So like North oh, and Dakota. South Dakota. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit further west than Deadwood. To put it in perspective, I'm pretty sure the OK Corral happened uh, right around the time he died. Right. Wyatt Earp lived until 1929. So uh, uh, this is very much when in the 50s, when they were kids were playing cowboys and Indians. He was one of the bad guys to the little kid. Gotcha. He, he grew up. He grew up a, a, a warrior. Did lots of did lots of you know warrior stuff. Of uh, the time he was fourteen years old, he accompanied his dad and other warriors in a raiding party, taking horses from a, uh, another the, the crow. Like they, they you know they they were always obviously natives fought amongst themselves, not just against the United States, probably to their detriment. The most famous thing that uh, he that happened was before the Battle of Little Bighorn with General, sorry, Lieutenant Colonel Custer. He had a a dream and a vision where he saw many soldiers as thick as grasshopper falling upside down into the Lakota camp, which his people took as foreshadowing of a big victory. And, you know, they they actually, you know, they had been been gathering uh, in a confederation with the Lakota tribes and the Northern Cheyenne tribes. And they very famously ended up defeating Lieutenant Colonel Custer on uh, June 25th, 1876. They, they just annihilated him. And they're, they're, that whole instance itself is ripe for many hours of podcasting. Okay. Yeah. But the, the short version is, from, from what I understand, Custer was getting political and he wanted to run for president. Oh. And he felt like, one last one big victory before he went back to campaign would really seal the deal for him so he took the seventh cavalry kind of maverick cowboy on his own style right like he just took him and was like i'm just gonna run i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna fuck him up and come back real quick like it wasn't well planned they didn't have a lot of troops like i'm not i'm not denigrating Sitting Bull and the ferocity of their warriors. However, it is well known and understood that the United States government was, uh, you know, bigger and badder than the natives. <laughs> That's just a fact. We have uh, some confirmation of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that, uh, that, that, that coast to coast, it's all, it's all the United States government. Like I said, uh, it, these, are, these are all topics that could be discussed for hours. I'm, I'm just glossing over them. Uh, to, to give a little bit of the context of where Sitting Bull was in his life trajectory when uh, when things went down. He, of course, after after annihilating Custer on the battlefield, the, the course the U.S. government sent thousands of more soldiers to the area, uh, causing a lot of Lakota's surrender. Uh, Sitting Bull refused, and he and his band went north and managed to elude the government uh, from 1877 to 1881, and they did eventually come back and surrender. They 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 
by that time they, he didn't get in he, he wasn't like you know put in prison or anything he ended up going and performing with buffalo bills wild west show interesting right interesting choice i i, I really like all right all right all right we've been fighting these wars we're getting trounced we're getting fucked over i think i'd like to try my hand at theater <laughs> he he eventually returned uh to, to South Dakota, and what was happening in in the the native environment was a thing called the ghost dance movement at the time. The, the ghost dance movement is fascinating to me. Um, it was it was kind of started by this uh, this native guy who was I can't pronounce it. He was Northern Paiute. He was a spiritual leader, and he created this idea of the ghost dance, which was a dance that would reshape and renew the world and wash away all the evil. To quote one of the natives, uh, the Lakota interpretation, which that included the removal of all European Americans from their land. Uh, this is a quote from a native at the time called Lame Deer. They told the people they could dance a new world into being. There would be landslides, earthquakes, and big winds. Hills would pile up on each other. The earth would roll up like a carpet with all the white man's ugly things, the stinking new animals, sheeps and pigs, the fences, the telegraph poles, the mines, the factories. Underneath would be the wonderful old new world as it had been before the white fat takers came. The white men will be rolled up, disappear, go back to their own continent. It was the original Make America Great Again. Oh my God, yeah. For sure. Uh, the, definitely had that had that vibe when you were describing it. I was like, go back. Yeah. Go back to where you came from. Wow, where have I heard that before? Right? These, and and this is, this is just like 150 years ago, right? Like the, the brown people that lived here were like, get those white people home. Fuck those white people flooding over our borders, taking our resources, taking our jobs. So, so this was a, this was like a, a, a big spiritual movement. Uh, not limited to any one tribe, and uh, they had they even had special clothing. They had they called them ghost shirts for the warriors to wear, and they were rumored to repel bullets through spiritual power. And it's uncertain where this belief originated. Some scholars point to uh, 1890 chief named Kicking Bear introducing the concept, but there's a uh, there's another guy named James Mooney who thinks that they were ripping off the Mormon temple garments. Excellent. Uh, which I can I can attest right now as a kid who was r- born and raised Mormon, they do teach that more that the secret sacred underwear can like it's got magic powers and it'll protect. I was actually taught in my seminary class. He told stories about Mormon missionaries getting shot at and there were holes in their garments, but they didn't get hit by bullets. I was fucking told that as a child growing up in the Mormon church. Amazing. Which is one of the reasons why I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, people believe that. No, people re- today, people believe that. It's not crazy they believed it then. Sitting Bull had nothing to do with the ghost dance movement, for the record. Okay. Noted. But the government was terrified that he would join it because obviously he's a bit of a celebrity, bit of a success story to the natives. And they're like, oh, shit, they'll, they'll really coalesce around this guy if he starts pushing it. So they sent some cops, some, in, they called, well, they called Indian service agents. But for lack of a better, better term, it, it's, it's basically the, the FBI 
of the 1890s, right, which didn't exist yet. So they send these Indian service agents out uh, to order his arrest. And in the ensue, obviously, he was like, wait, you're going to arrest me for what? And they was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to get arrested. And then so one of his buddies shoots one of the cops with a pistol, with rifle or pistol, or whatever, in the side. And they immediately shoot Sitting Bull, who did not shoot anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, ah, oh, oh, somebody opened fire. Get him. Come right for us. So sadly, uh, he was shot in the side and in the head by Standing Rock Policeman Lieutenant Bullhead, who was, a, a, I think, a native, and Red Tomahawk. So they were, the, the police themselves were Native American, mm. which is, is a bizarre twist. Uh, but I guess I shouldn't be too surprised looking at police violence on people today. He was uh, taken to nearby Fort Yates for burial. And in 1953, his Lakota family exhumed the remains and reburied him in South Dakota near his place. Oh, that's good. Wow. That's a, that's a wild ride. And, and that's like the super abridged version. <laughs> Fascinating to me uh, uh, that like he would have this vision. And he would go public with it in his tribe, and and then it like would come true, like it it, it came true. Was it self fulfilling? Was it uh, the universe talking to him? I, I I don't know. These questions are best up left up to theologians, philosophers. Well, anyone who defeats Custer handily is uh, definitely a friend in my book. I don't. My my dad didn't have a whole lot of comprehensible political stances on things but one of the things i definitely remember him saying was that custer was a pile a pile of dog shit <laughs> yeah 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 you start digging into him um it, it does it gets worse and worse like when i was a kid he was just like oh he was the poor bastard who got killed with little bighorn and then like the more I've learned about him, I'm like, whoa, that bastard should have died a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was all it was all for, for, for politics. The wildest thing to me is the fact that uh that he toured with the Wild West show. But if you dig in a little bit deeper, there there are rumors that uh he would use his speeches to to push native ideals and support. So it makes a little bit more sense when you when you realize like he, he was using his that platform of that show. To reach the people, yeah. What did do you know? What he did in the show? Just spoke. He earned about fifty dollars a week, which is the equivalent to about sixteen hundred dollars today. So he he made about sixteen hundred dollars a week for riding once around whatever arena they were performing in. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So he just he just do a he just do a ride around, you know, do a lap, uh, do, do a lap say some stuff uh people rumored he he would uh, uh curse you in lakota if you went and saw him um <laughs> but obviously we don't have any uh records of, of that other than rumor um according to a uh, historian uh, reporter michael uh Hiltzik, uh he claims that look sitting bull declared in lakota language i hate all white people you are thieves and liars you've taken away our land and made us outcasts the translator however read the original address, which had been written as a gracious act of amity. And the audience, including the president at the time, Grant, uh, was none the wiser. This was when Sitting Bull performed for, uh, at the completion of the Northern Pacific Railway with the Buffalo Bill, and, and the actual president, Ulysses Grant, was there. Uh, I can imagine the first lips clapping and nodding. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I, I can also imagine the translator being like, uh, I'm not saying. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Well, hold on. So this is, is this post 14th amendment? Cause I'm wondering if Singh Bull would be, you know, birthright citizenship would have the right to run for president. Yes. I, I don't know if the courts would rule that way, but the 14th amendment was, was 1868. Okay. So like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's some pretty like, go back where you came from. You could definitely get some votes that way. We've seen it. Sitting bulls for president. <laughs> Sitting bulls for president. England's not sending their best people. <laughs> They're not sending their best people. There's some, those are some bad. Oh, man. Well, I lost it. What do chaps? What do they call? What do what do British people call each other? Oh, bad blokes. That's good alliteration. Some bad blokes. They're, they're, they're not sending their best. <laughs> Rapists and murderers. Bad blokes. Damn. Damn Europeans. Oh, man. Yeah, so police violence killing people since the dawn of the country. Yeah, it was, it was so apparent. All because they were scared of him. He didn't even do anything. Uh, Chomsky likes to call it the dangerous other. We're... Uh, we have a long history of identifying a dangerous other and using it to build political power. Yeah. And I, for one, want that dangerous other to be the alien species that are amassing at the edge of our galaxy. Come in and take our women and resources. Yeah. I mean, the, the chances of an alien species being very dangerous are high mm -hmm. because it's probably going to be like an amoeba. And those things eat your brain. Right, right. We like to imagine uh, aliens as like this intelligent life in spaceships. But like, what if it's just a creature that isn't bothered by space, just shows up and like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just going to eat all this. Oh, look, biological life. I love absorbing that. It tastes great. Less filling. This is the topic of Andy Weir of the Martians' newest book, uh, Fiction. Oh really? And it's a it's a it's a fun one called uh, Project Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary. All right. Well, I'll have to I'll have to put a link to that in the episode description. Big thumbs up. Big from thumbs this up. Okay. Uh, but for now, I think uh, I think we got to move on and talk about some news. News. It's time for some news from our point of view. We'd even be glad. If we could have a lap or two, it's time for some news. All right. Well, I mean, it was a pretty good segue. Uh, aliens coming, uh, <laughs> maybe coming to the planet. For the longest time, the theory of, hey, how did life get here on Earth? The, the prevailing theory, because we don't know. It has been that some things came in some asteroids after the Earth was kind of formed and been hanging out for a while. And uh, the, the, those asteroids hit and there was a bit of a chemical reaction that kind of jump started it. They, they've actually, I think in the last couple of years, managed to take some inert material and some electricity and kind of jazz it up. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to look into where I read that. For now, this story is about how a joint venture between uh, University of Tennessee and the University of Science and Technology of China has come out, and their study is claiming 
that the Earth itself had all of these elements from when it was created. Okay. So, so the crucial ingredients for life, sulfur, nitrogen, and the like. Chon. I remember the, the acronym CHOMPS. CHOMPS? <laughs> carbon, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur. There you go. There you go. Undergraduate education. Yeah, there, you, Brett, college. You learn stuff. Who knew? I, I learned a, a thing. A thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the shorthand for these elements, they call them volatiles. And they're, they're saying they existed from the, the formation of Earth. Uh, they evaporate more readily than other elements, like you said, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen. This research focused on the specific group called chalcogens, such as like sulfur, selenium, and tellurium. Uh, they're all chalcogens. They they also using AI, like what science breakthrough isn't using AI these days. They're uh, they're able to look at how the isotopes in these substances behave and the behavior of these isotopes act as a signature for what stage of the earth's formation they were created in interesting and they're saying they're saying they're, that they're finding these elements uh and and they're like no this look look at the isotope signature this is from this this stage of of the earth you know because we know we know how the earth formed with the you know, the star and spinning out mm-hmm. uh, elements and, you know, it mol- starts out molten hot and then it kind of cools slowly. And I mean, we're, we're still technically in that cooling stage, right? Our core is still liquid hot, but the crust is not. But over the course of millions and millions and millions and millions of years, eventually the Earth's going to be a big ball of ice. Like that's just, a, that's inevitable. But this is, this is wildly fascinating to me because uh, this is the first time I've come across anybody that was like, you know, Earth might have just been the source of life. Like, it might not have come from anywhere else. I guess I never, I never knew either uh, of those theories. I guess I uh, had, it had never come up <laughs> for me whether <laughs> the life came from, I mean, the, an asteroid, what kind of asteroid? An asteroid from the original big cloud of neutron let's see that's not it's not a neutron so post supernova you've got a kind of a cloudy star that hasn't started fusing yet the nebula that's the word i'm looking for Mm, yeah yeah yeah. you know there's all kinds of there's all kinds of asteroids swirling around in that or do did they think it was something from somewhere else and even if then like then what like it's still star stuff yes the 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 uh, the thought the thinking was yeah it was other star stuff from 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 an asteroid that hit us the uh be- because the some these elements make up uh i want to say those volatile elements it's 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 some stupid small percentage of the elements on earth and that's why that 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 was part of the reason why the the original theory was that it came from somewhere else gotcha it's it the study is called uh a bio uh, a biogenesis biogenesis with an a on the front a biogenesis mm-hmm. the the simple explanation is that these inert materials were the like naturally formed into some rudimentary rna shaped mm-hmm. stuff 
and that's that's what led to uh, a, like a chemical reaction that started that first fall of life. And thanks to evolution, we are the unbroken unbroken chain, right? Like, yeah, every every animal, everything alive today is the unbroken chain all the way back, right? So, like the the religions that proffer like we're all the same being, like I'm like no no, there's actually I think there's something scientific to that. Like we are, I mean, we're just experiencing the, the same creature being experiencing itself all over. <laughs> Wait a second. We need to fight over how much time <laughs> elapsed. That's right. You know, because right. it's really important that we hate each other. So let's just like fight over how much time, which is amazing because the Bible doesn't have units. I <laughs> know oh, it has cubits. It's got cubits <laughs> for when you're making an orbit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we. I'm sure you you remember the the Scopes trial uh, quip of like, well, we don't know how long a day was before the sun, right? Oh, that's the kind of Mormon shit that was pushed on me. Was like, oh no, like a day to God is like thousands of years to us. So in the Bible, when they're like, God created the the earth on the whatever day, like that was thousands of years that day. Yeah, because because. That's that's what God did when he was dictating that Bible to a guy. He was like, hey, it took, took me seven days. What's a day? Don't worry about it. Well, I got to tell you, the, the Mormons, a lot of problems, a lot of problems. But <laughs> one point in their favor for me is like their ability to accept psychedelic shit like evolution. Like, yeah, man, the days before the, the sun. They certainly have a unique perspective on their Christianity. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you start with a shyster who's just like, now how can I turn this Christianity into a harem? <laughs> right. We should we should do I uh, there have been a million. You can go out and find them, but we, we maybe one of these snake oil sections we'll we'll talk about old Joe Smith and how he got Dude, his start. I cannot wait. Do not do not let me not be on the Joe Smith show. Okay. You are literally the person I want to talk to about Joseph Smith more and the person who knows more real actual history about this guy <laughs> than ever anyone ever. I'm I have to I'm always telling people about crazy shit Mormons believe that I heard from you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> and 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 here's and there might be some Mormons listening to this and please 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 get help. <laughs> There's they, they've got this this crazy plausible deniability where like you go to church. Like I went to a, that seminary class and that teacher told that story about those missionaries. Right. No, there's never any names. There's never any like photos. There's never any documentation. It's just like, no, no, this, this happened to these missionaries. They're not writing this shit down. This is all verbal. Right. Like this stuff gets passed from Mormon to Mormon in the hallways between classes. Ugh. This is the stuff that uh, that's that doesn't hit the public canon. But, but my father actually coined the term faith-promoting rumors when I was a kid. Because oh, wow. some Mormons told such outlandish shit that I'd come home and I'd be like, Dad, Mom, so-and-so said that when he got... The, the fucking blessing they told him that he was gonna be a big prophet and he was gonna die and be brought back to life and they'd be like okay no that didn't happen your your friend billy did not 
get told he was going to die and get come back to life. That's that's a rumor. That, that's a really crude, grotesque one. But I, I have spent a lot of money and drugs trying to forget uh, my Mormon days. But anyway, uh, you will definitely be on that show, my friend. Fabulous. Anyway, the next story uh, you may you may be familiar with. Uh, scientists have reported a huge leap in understanding whale language. Cetacean communication. <laughs> they they again using some AI that kind of tipped them in the right direction. They they took they took these uh, hundreds and hundreds of recordings from 2014 to 2018. Sorry, 3,948 of them. So thousands of recordings uh-huh. of whales uh, talking uh, or making sound and an- analyze them and also put that data into the AI. And the AI was able to not only point out like, oh, these clicks, uh, but the other, other acoustic pop- properties. So they've now shown the spectral properties in the clicks that uh, operate as vowels. Whoa. They've got two specific vowels they've, they've identified and uh, they, they reliably exchange these codas that have one or two of these formants. Uh, they, they, peak, they peak just below the 10 kilohertz sound range and they're calling those codas vowels. Uh, there's a single formant and a uh, two formant. And they also, it looks like they have diphthongs. So like the word coin, where you bring one vowel to another, like they've got that as well. Yeah. Wow. And then that differs from, like we're using, we're kind of using vowel as like a, because that, because we have vowels uh, (laughs) and consonants. Yeah. Vowels being like the, let's see, how would I put this? Like the shape of the, the longer sounds and the consonants being like the how do we articulate them? How do we like flap them and, and trill them and like manipulate those longer sounds into I, other shorter sounds within sounds. That does that sound right to you? That does sound right. To me the the the, the simplified way that I would try to explain it to like my niece or nephew would be like your dog could make a vowel sound, but can't make the consonant. <laughs> oh man, that's okay. That's that's fun. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I got a little lost in there because my uh, do, I know dogs can make like R. They they can round the front of their mouth. They have the, the muscles. I know this just because our dog will like threaten to bark, and she'll she'll start rounding her mouth forward. <laughs> She's like projecting it, like. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, don't make me do this. Do not make me yell at you. <laughs> Ovicularis oris. Ovicularis oris. That's what you need to make a, a rounded lips ooh. So that if they have vowels, then we're also, that means that they have consonants too, right? Well, we are, yeah, they already, we already know they got the clicks. We already knew that. We, we, they've okay. got the clicks, which would be analogous to, to the, the consonant. So it means there's a system, like a tree, a tree-like system in the sounds that they can make um, as, as far as complexity goes. A certain type of sound and then a certain way of modifying that sound. Yes, yes. Uh, the authors of the, the, the paper made the example of vocal tones in Mandarin. Changing the tone of an otherwise identical syllable changes the meaning. And they're, so, so they're, they're, that's the, the, the analogy with what they've now, what they're now finding in whales, whale speak. I hope, I hope one day they, we, that we crack it. I hope it happens soon. And I hope that whales are like 
believe vain, petty fuckers. I, I think that'd be hilarious. When I think about animal communication, mm-hmm. language, I guess I just sort of wonder why we don't. And, and I, by the way, my, my stance, I'll presuppose this with my, sp- my stance on this topic, which is like, I think the thing we have, like linguists will like hold it real tight to their chest and say that, that only we have this thing called language. Yeah. And I just think that the word, words don't really have denotations, you know? So you can stretch any word to mean a lot of things. Yeah. And so I don't really hold that tight to language. I, I think human language is unique and that the systems in it, some of them are unique to humans and some of them aren't. And so we share them with other species. And then other species have unique things in their communication systems that we don't have, like pheromone exchange. We don't have a, a zombie smell. Like we, if we think someone's dead by how they smell, we're not going to keep taking them back to the graveyard like the ants do. Um. <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're dead. Go, go over here. You go over here now. I can smell it on you. Shut your trap. <laughs> <laughs> she's dead so like i'm not i'm not tightly clinging to that that being said like i think it would be very exciting to get a chance to, to talk to other creatures more so than we do like we talk we we are able to communicate a whole bunch of stuff to a whole bunch of other animals especially through morphological mm-hmm. systems right like words we haven't yet like met anybody who can seem to get back and forth communication with us when it comes to all five systems and syntax is a real sticking point mm, yeah yeah the question that sort of comes to my head so that's that there's there's where i'm at on that and but but to say it's not language, I think it's just like, who cares if it's language or not language? It's just different than what we do. Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's that species communication. I, I would also, I, I would posit that the Neanderthals and the Denisovans, mm-hmm. we uh, uh, had, had the same language skills. And then we just had a bunch of sex with them till we're all one species. We definitely have a, a ton of Neanderthal genes, which I know you know that because you've seen Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've met a few redheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love redheads. Now my question is, like, I, I, I don't think language is, or human language, is a, an invention mm. that a reasonably intelligent species could just learn. I think it's genetic. Um, and my question would be, like, why, if we, if we could talk to those other animals and have, like, conversations and, like, share ideas with them. And- yeah, like we are now. You know, then why don't we or why haven't we yet? Why haven't we already? That's an interesting point. I think back circle back around to the point you made before that question, like maybe we're the ones being obtuse. Go on. Lately, there's been this giant uptick in orcas attacking ships and boats. Mm -hmm. That to me could be a very clear communication that they're sick of our presence in the ocean. And what we're doing to the ocean. Go back where you came from. It's the orcas. Thought it was going to be the First Nations. It's the orcas. Moga, make the ocean great again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We should have seen it on their social media. We really should have seen this bubbling up. (laughs) I just, uh, I haven't been on Whale Book lately, so I missed all those posts. Whale Book isn't what it used to be. It's all porn now. It's It's all porn now. You've seen one blowhole. You've seen them all. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> let's move on before we run out of time. Let's uh, let's talk a little about a little bit of snake oil. Oh, snake oil, on 
sail for me Nothing but snake oil And it ain't free Okay, I was unable to resist the story for the snake oil story um, because it probably because it, it involves actual oil for sale. Extra virgin olive oil getting more expensive might not even be real. You got to be fucking careful because they just busted a giant criminal enterprise that uh, it, taking olive oils from Italy, Spain, and Greece. And well, I should say not taking, but uh, uh, I should say putting out olive oil supposedly from from Spain, Italy, and Greece that uh, was in fact uh, adulterated oil, uh, unfit for consumption. Okay. They they seized two hundred. <laughs> they seized two hundred sixty thousand liters because there's such a big demand for olive oil, right? And but there's only so many olive trees. Uh, but all over the world, you know, people want olive oil. So they've been mixing olive oil byproducts with other oils like uh, uh, sunflower oil and canola oil uh, uh, or even lamp oil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like just any is if they can get it to smell like it and look like it, they'll bottle it and sell it as olive oil. And these are just the ones they caught. It's making me really suspicious. Yeah. They've been using chlorophyll or and beta carotene to color it, to give it the green or in, in yellow hues. Oh, chlorophyll. Tree, tree blood. Good old tree blood. Which, it, it, it's wild. Like, at the dollar store, I remember finding, like, olive oil, and you look, and it's like a blend of olive oil and canola oil, right? Like, okay, that's mm-hmm. why it's so cheap. And, and, and some of what they're doing is exactly that. They're just taking olive oil, like, Oh, we'll take a liter of olive oil and three liters of canola oil, mix it together, and we sell it all as olive oil. Mm-hmm. So one of the problems is olive oil, the oil production is down. There was an extremely wet spring in the Mediterranean, and the olive trees flowered less. Uh, the record-setting heat in the summer shriveled the olives that did grow. So thanks to climate change, we have less olives. Yeah. So even though they planted a fuck ton of olives, because everybody knows olive oil fucking sells and it sells for good money, almost half of the olive oil production was was killed by uh, the climate. And so that's why that's why we're seeing this big uptick in the fake olive oil racket. So be careful. In fact, it's actually got me considering switching to different oils for my cooking meat. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is like, if you've got a decent thermometer, you can, you can test the smoke point. Mm. You're really dying to figure out like, is this olive oil or is this mixed with something else? Cause it's going to have a different smoke point. Great point. Also, this has been happening with honey for years. And I'd say most of the like honey, when I think of honey, I think of a, a different thing that's actually honey syrup. Mm. And it's mostly rice syrup, actually, and a little bit of honey to make it taste like honey. And I'm like, totally fine with it. Wait, the thing that the thing in the bear? Yeah, in the bear. The cute plastic bear? You're, you're telling me that's that's rice sugar? Yeah, and a little honey. <laughs> I had a suspicion when my my wife bought some honey, it was like fancy honey that not in a plastic bear and i opened it up and i was like wow mm-hmm. the viscosity and and uh, consistency of this is it's not so uniform like the stuff that comes out of that bear yeah and i squeeze it 
you don't have to you don't have to filter honey people like it's it's naturally clean such a naturally good product yeah yeah no nothing will grow in it that will hurt you is that weird it's so fucking crazy to me yeah the olive oil i would be fine i was fine with it until you said lamp oil like i if it was if i had olive oil mixed with cottonseed oil fine you know like i'm I'm totally 100% fine with that. It's going to do what I want it to do. You're just overpaying for it. Yeah, I'm overpaying for it. That's a great point. I really should buy less olive oil. <laughs> Honestly, I should be. I should buy the little one or whatever and then mix it with canola oil. It's it's not a bad way to go. I I honestly, uh, about a month ago when I was reading about what was happening with olives, in the olive industry, I went to Costco and I bought like uh, four big ch- I bought like twelve liters of olive oil, and that's probably that's probably California. So you don't have to worry about like them saying like Kirkland. No. Kirkland is never like the fancy kind. They're like no, the more kind. Kirkland, no, it says it's Spanish. So now I'm scared. Oh, okay. I'm actually I'm actually thinking about doing the checking the heating point. What is lamp oil? Is it blubber? Whale blubber? That's a good question. Kerosene? Are we are we eating kerosene? Uh, lamp oil is paraffin oil. Paraffin. Well, what's that? What's it, paraffin? Is that a, is that a, a penguin? <laughs> is it a puffin? Puffin oil. Liquid paraffin, paraffin oil, or Russian mineral oil. It's a very highly refined mineral oil used in cosmetics and medicine. Do we eat it? I think <laughs> I think it's like an old school uh, uh, laxative. A a laxative. Okay. Well, now maybe I will. Maybe uh, I will but, eat it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get enough fiber. Uh, they also have used it, 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 it's like hydrating on your skin, so it's used in cosmetics and skin and hair products. But I, I, do, I do wonder about its uh, flammable point, the, what do they call that? Smoke point. Yeah, it's smoke point. It's got to be lower than olive oil, right? If it's used as fuel. Anyhow, that's the snake oil. It's olive oil today. It's olives. All right, let's, uh, let's do some quick fact checking. Fact checks. All right, I've I've kind of mixed up the format for fact checking time a little bit. We're gonna try something new this week. I will admit it gets really really hard to find fact checking out there where it's true for whatever reason. And, and I don't know if that speaks to the fact-checking websites or what we as people click on and want to read, mm-hmm. but it does not seem like it should be. There's enough pundits and journalists and politicians and influencers and social media posts that some of them are true, right? Okay, they can't all be false. Like, why, why are these fact-checks false? Anyway, because of that, I've decided that I'm going to take three fact check stories and three uh, real facts that I I uh, have come across, and I'm going to see. Uh, you you have to guess which one is the real uh, uh, fact checked false one, and which one is the actual true thing that I'm making sound like a false fact check story. Okay, got it. Okay. And we'll just do A or B. Story A, Crisco was invented for use as a submarine. 
lubricant, an online rumor, social media saying German scientists invented Crisco shortening in 1901 or uses a submarine lubricant. Submarine lubricant. Okay. Or a Twitter X post saying that Oxford University is older than the Aztecs. Okay. Oxford University, older than the Aztecs. Hold on. I know Oxford. I know some of those old universities are, are more than a thousand years old. Um, that's like the, that's how we, how, how far the university system goes back. Aztecs were hanging around when Cortez was there. So that's the Renaissance. That's the 1600s. I would be nice, nice. I, I'm, I'm digging this. I'm digging this thought chain. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. gonna. I'm actually. Content, yeah, but I don't know about this Crisco. Like my okay. When you say Twitter X, my first thought is fake. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> my my brain is just like that's where the bullshit comes from. So, oh man, this is tough because I know universities to be really old, and that's a that would be a fun if true. So, like, my brain is saying, like, I want that one to be the true one, older than the Aztecs. But I don't know how old the Aztecs, how long the Aztecs were around off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I know they're kind of young, actually. So, hmm. Ooh. Are they now? I I, I know it would be close-ish. Yeah. Uh, Because, yeah, I know, like, people hanging out on the continent is old. We got, like, 12,000 years. But as far as the... um, ancient civs the mayans the aztecs the toltecs the aztecs were the youngest i'm just gonna go with that one it's just more it's more fun answer if i'm wrong i'm wrong the oxford is older than the aztecs is true Woo! oxford founded in 1096 the year 1096 the aztec empire was about 1300 to 1520 Excellent. Wow, that's fun. That makes my that's uh, made my brain tickle. It, right? You worked through it pretty well. I really like that. Uh, Crisco, while it did come out as a brand, it was launched in 1911. There is absolutely zero evidence that it was commissioned by the German Navy. It was a German chemist named Wilhelm Norman mm-hmm. sold his patent to Procter and Gamble. So uh, this is the guy that invented hydrogenation. Ah, that guy. Partially hydrogenated vegetable oil. Yep. Uh, Came out over 100 years ago, but not for submarines. That's interesting, too, because I know, like, submarines were starting to be talked about right around that time, right? Because we didn't have them in in the Civil War. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) You know, torpedoes and stuff. We had the rudimentary beginnings of a submarine. Mm -hmm. Was it the Monitor or the Merrimack? That I don't, I can't say. I just remember Uther Sibutin's coming around in, in World War One, so four, three years after Crisco. <laughs> so the, uh, the next one is a claim on social media that uh, fashion company Dwyer has replaced Bella Hadid with an Israeli model uh, because of Bella Hadid's pro-Palestinian views, or that the largest living organism is a fungus in or- Oregon. Oregon. Oregon, Oregon. Fungus in Oregon. Well, I think, I thought the biggest, like, organism was, like, a trees, a bunch of trees, like a forest, and then they were, like, connected to each other underground, and they started from, like, a seed, and it's in Russia. This is, this is a little on the vague side. This is what happens when you don't have a computer in front of yourself, and you try to wax 
so I want to say I like I, I I feel like very strongly that that's bigger than a fungus in Oregon, and I want that to be the biggest thing. And if it's not, that's fine. So you're, you're saying Bella Hadid lost her job for being too pro-Palestinian? Yes, I believe that, but only because I think that there's a tree bigger than a fungus. <laughs> <laughs> Has nothing to do with Bella Hadid. No, they're they're actually the the fungus is the world's largest living organism. All right, it is on. Under the Blue Mountains of Oregon. Yeah, sorry, Bella. That's my, that's on me. Yeah, sorry, Bella. You get to keep your job. Oh, but for the for the libel or what is it called, slander? Because I said it out loud. Yeah. the The last one we're gonna do is a leading presidential candidate has claimed he would be a dictator on day one, <laughs> or Elon Musk is promising to give away ten thousand silver bars to dodge a tax bill. Uh, well, it's, it's too bad, but I know for a fact that Donald Trump said that just on day one. Look, Alex, I'm only going to make you be my slave for a day. Put the collar on. I'll let you out tomorrow. Come on, man. You can trust me. What the fuck? It also seems, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I do know that it was a, a joke, but I also know that you kind of aren't supposed to joke about that on the campaign trail and for everyone else that you lose some political points for saying that you're going to be a a dictator (laughs) but not for that guy did you watch the interview i i heard the audio the look on his face does not say joke my understanding was like that that he had said it before and then hannity was like i'm going to give you a chance was thinking to himself i'm going to give you a chance to like clear this up and that he kind of doubled down and that is of concern watch the video either he is a master of deadpan or he's being serious i'm gonna take him serious i mean i'm taking it seriously too like people that kind that kind of joking is worth (laughs) some pause you know because there's everybody else you know i don't want to say everybody else but but uh i was i'd say a vast majority of people don't play with fire on that topic and he just there's nothing he won't say there's nothing he won't do and get and be loved for it it's uh terrifying anyway you know what that uh that uh, yeah we got we got to we got to get through through something feel good right now because that's just feel good news it's a perfect timing If you're out there listening to this show and you've got Alzheimer's, you might not have to listen to it twice anymore. Researchers <laughs> have found that a twice daily current stimulation session, uh, about 20 minutes each, improves the memory and overall cognitive performance of older people living with Alzheimer's. They're using a technique, techno- sorry, they're using a technology called transcranial direct current stimulation. Uh, and it, and it, they think they can also use it as a treatment to just improve brain plasticity in Alzheimer's sufferers, uh, by helping them form new neural network. Wow. Uh, Alzheimer's being the, the, you know, the decay of your existing neural network. So yeah, they, they got a device. It's got two electrodes. They put it over a specific part of the head and, and it just, 
transmits a constant low intensity electrical current through the brain. Like Scientology. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's why they say that that a Scientologist never forgets. The rest of the world is finally catching up to the Scientologist. Yeah, that's right. That's that's, yeah, what's that's what it is. <laughs> Um, and they're, they're, they're even trying it for, to treat depression. Uh, they supposedly is, well, I gotta tell you a 20 minute stimulation session is really good for my depression. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You, you like that low current, like it low and slow. Uh, they're using a similar method. They're even to, to get paralyzed limbs back into motion. Holy shit. Yeah, th- this is this is like a big deal. Um, the researchers from China recruited 140 people with mild to moderate Alzheimer's and randomly allocated whether they would receive the sessions with the low intensity, a sham version, uh, or a sham version to to provide the control, and and then of course the control group of neither. And uh, they they all the participants over 65 and had had Alzheimer's for longer than six months. Uh, they, they did the treatment for six weeks, and they showed that after, after two weeks, it already significantly improved the cognitive function of the people who were receiving the real treatment, particularly their word recall, uh, the recall of test instructions, and word recognition. Obviously, nothing in the control group. Great news for, for Alzheimer's. Any anytime. Uh, you know, it, it, most of these feel-good stories end up being uh, uh, te- healthcare technology development because, sadly, the, the world is a dangerous place after 3 a.m. It's not a friendly neighborhood. Anyhow, uh, that's going to bring us to the, the end of the episode, folks. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, we sure do love that you're here having a good time with us. Uh, we will be back at you soon. Uh, I'd like to give a special... Thank you to our sponsor, Umbrella Corporation, putting the U in eugenics. I'd <laughs> uh, <laughs> like to give a shout out to science and geniality and the social contract, making society better than anarchy for many of the last thousands of years. And, uh, uh, well, Mr. Professor, any parting wisdom for the folks listening today? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I really should have been thinking about that instead of getting my charging cord. Yeah, you son of a bitch. No, no, I got nothing for you. Just keep on keeping on. Uh, congeniality, like that one. Wonderful, wonderful. Like, rate, share, subscribe. You know all the fun stuff to do. Uh, come join us over on Discord. I might have all those news links up before the recording airs, so you can know what the fuck we're talking about. Does that make it less cool? I don't know. You choose. It's your life. It's your adventure. We'll be back at you soon. Till then, have a great day. Now things are ending, it's time to go No more to get through, thanks for listening, that's our show Ain't affectation, or we're just leaving you half caught Half caught, half caught We had a good time talking today But even best times, eventually they fade away Ain't adjuration, or we're just leaving half God.